Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'm going to read a thing, and it's going to be something that's awesome, okay? And then you guys are going to celebrate like your team just scored a touchdown. I'm talking like high fives, erupt, go crazy, okay? No, please keep shirts on at all times in church. Okay, here we go. This is awesome. And I'll be like, this is awesome. When the cashier opens up a line next to you when you're standing in a full line. High fives. Okay, last night was a little bit better when Ohio State was scoring touchdowns, but we'll work with it. Okay, we'll warm up here. Are you ready? Here's another one. Seeing a cop on the side of the road and realizing you're going the speed limit anyway. That's awesome. All right, let's go to a couple more here. When your sneeze stalls for a second and then suddenly comes booming out. Woo! It's awesome. Come on, guys. That's actually awesome. It feels so good. Okay. I can't remember. Okay, here we go. Perfectly popped popcorn in the microwave. Oh, got more response than the sneeze. Surprised by that. Okay, this is for my gym friends. Gym muscle pain. That's awesome. You're like, that was effective. That made a difference. All right, I thought that one would have a little bit more in here. I actually was only going to read that in this group, not the next group. Let's just find a random one here. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't think this was awesome, but maybe you do. When you, when you hear somebody smile over the phone. That's cute. That's not awesome, that's cute. All right, one more. Got to end on a good one. Uh, okay, this is, this is cute too. But I still want an eruption with praise and thanksgiving. Okay. Old folks who sit on their porch and wave at you when you walk or drive by. Yeah! It's awesome! Okay. All right, enough of awesome. Let's get into wonder. So uh, you might wonder why wonder is on the stage. And we're starting off a series this week called Recapturing the Wonder of Christmas. And um, it, this is just something really special to us is like focusing on, on making sure we're seasonal, but, but I don't like the word relevant. That's kind of a tag word in, in Christianese. But really making sure that we, we take focus. Like Thanksgiving for me wasn't just a three, four, five-week series. It was an introduction to a lifestyle for me. And I don't know about you, but I've still been intentional, even though it's not November anymore and Thanksgiving's past, of really, that's what we were talking about in our life group, literally making Thanksgiving, thankfulness, contentment a part of our everyday thoughts, our processes, our lifestyle, and being intentional with that. And I think this is the same thing of, of making sure we're focused on what Christmas really is. So the essence of Christmas is really Jesus. Like Christmas, Jesus is the big picture of Christmas. He alone is the purpose. He alone is the goal. He alone is the wonder of Christmas. So this series is going to capture that passion, that first love, getting us back to making sure that Jesus is planted in the center of our life, not just for a holiday, not just December, not just while 106.5 plays the Christmas music for a few weeks, but I'm talking like he's in the center of our life and we don't lose that gaze. Like, are we talking about him the same way that we talked about him when we first got saved? 
Are we having intimacy and communion? Are we dining with the Lord the same way when we first got saved? Are we worshiping him? Are we looking at him with wonder? Are we, you know, it's like that new car smell, right? Like, do you still have that new car fragrance with Jesus and still captivated until still tasting and seeing that he's so good? Or have you lost a little bit of that wonder? And and at times I do. You know, we had this thing recently in our culture, uh, Disney Plus came out. You know, how many now have Disney Plus? We went for it. Like, we got ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu. Like, we already had Hulu, so it was kind of a good deal. So now, but like, we quickly are like, all right, Netflix, see you later. Disney Plus is here. And I get ESPN Plus as a bonus. We are so quick in our culture to lose things or switch or move on or, or quickly redirect our focus because of just the fast pace that we live in and the busyness and all these things. And, and I think a lot of times in our Christian walk and our walk with the Lord, it can be similar. We've been through so many conferences and seminars and workshops and, and things like Financial Peace University. You know, we learned to budget. We learned to, to steward our money well. And then a couple months, a couple years go by, and we forget being intentional about our budget. We go to marriage workshops or marriage conferences or classes, and then we create these habits for 21 days or 40 days or, or these devotionals that are a certain amount of period of time. And then all of a sudden, we tail off because we're not intentional. And I believe that's the same thing. And part of my struggle the last year was I had lost that wonder. I had stopped spending time with the Lord and being intentional about giving him the first 15, 20 minutes of my day. Or or as I fall asleep at night, redirecting all my focus on him. Or creating some time through the week to to just spend moments with him, time with him, communion with him, conversation with him, in my word. Like, it's funny, Nicole said, I feel like the word's going to come alive. She had left already from prayer Tuesday night, and Corey was, like, prophesying over us that that we're going to begin to open up our word, and it's going to come alive again, and tears are going to start to flow back onto the pages because of how it's impacting our hearts. I couldn't have orchestrated the set list to be any better today because, like, I'm talking about God's flames, and he's an all-consuming fire, and eyes of fire, and we're singing this song. I did request, may you never lose your wonder. I did request that one. But everything else was just like, man, this is, that's what I'm preaching. It's in my notes. I'm so excited. Let me tell you one more story as I introduce this, this series. Uh, I've told you that when, my, when I get home from work, one of my favorite things is when I open the door, and I get home relatively a similar time every day unless there's an emergency. And I open up the door, and there's this sweet aroma of bacon, hopefully, sometimes other food cooking, because Nicole's amazing. I'm like, oh. And then all of a sudden, this eruption of this thing, and my kids are going to reenact it right now. So I open the door, and I hear, Woo! It's actually usually more animated than that, but you guys are awesome. I hear this eruption. Right? And it's like, Daddy's home! And they literally come knocking me over and hugging me, and they're all excited. But I've noticed over the last few months that it's starting to diminish a little bit. And I'm like, I think they've lost their wonder of Dad coming home. And Chloe's getting a little older, so now it's a little bit more like this. Open door. Dad's home. Hey, guys. True story. Hadassah usually does the running thing, but she's at class right now. She usually always like, Daddy's home. But the older ones, they're kind of growing out of that. And I'm like, I miss that sound. So I asked him today, I was like, hey, you want to reenact it? So in Chloe, she's usually like on a, a laptop or doing homework or doing something. She's like, hey, Dad. 
Your dad has arrived. Where's my welcome? It's that thing to where over time things begin to change. We begin to grow into other things or get distracted or, or we're just not as intentional. And that's really the purpose of this series is to recapture that wonder, to refocus our attention that Jesus is the reason for the season. He is the purpose. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Like he is the big deal. Without him, we would not have Christmas. Without him, we wouldn't have that extra couple days off work or, or these Black Friday sales. We've commercialized things so much that we lose the true focus of what Christmas really is, and it is about Jesus Christ coming to the earth. It's about Jesus coming in as a fleshly man to experience, to feel, see, hear what we have felt and seen, and to pay ultimately a price for you and I. Let's go to Hebrews 2. I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read out of the Passion. It's a, it's a beautiful version of this. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that was pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. You may be used to the version that says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy? Who's the joy? It's, it's you and I. It's, it's he came to seek and save that which was lost, us, our joy, our peace, our wonder. So he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And it says this, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, so consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in to life's pressures. I just felt like this was a fitting verse to enter the series that look what Jesus endured. He paid the ultimate price. And, and I, I wanted to kind of talk about the difference between a sprint and a marathon. Many times when we get saved or we go to these things or these workshops or, or the financial peace universities or whatever, we do this sprint and anybody can sprint. We were having an issue with an employee uh, at one time uh, recently, a couple years ago at the fire department. And, and I heard one of the officers, officers say, we have a one-year probation and this, this person was struggling a little bit, and they were going to put him on like a two-week plan before his probation end, ended. And it's like, I heard this officer say, well, anybody can sprint short distance, but can you run the marathon? And that's, that's what the Christianity, that's what a relationship is on earth, but especially with our Heavenly Father. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Now, we get these moments of sprints. We get these moments of encounters. We get these moments of breakthroughs, which are like that quick burst. I was sharing with you that uh, a, a couple of weeks ago that... Last week, I shared that it was one of the hardest weeks I had had with some opposition, but one of the greatest breakthroughs. See, for me, I, I sprint, 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 marathon, kind of in the background, but I'm a good sprinter in many things in life. But it's hard for me to keep that pace and that consistency. Now, Nicole, she's consistent. She's steadfast. Her emotions, her, her determination, just all these things. She, and me, I'm just kind of like an emotional roller coaster. But there's this thing to where I got a couple texts that were just so encouraging, and I'm like, boom, that's a burst for a sprint for me. That allows me to keep going in the marathon because I just got something that gave that pain a purpose. 
See, when we focus our eyes, if Jesus himself is the goal, then vision gives pain a purpose. If I can see what I'm going for, if I can see where I'm headed, then all of a sudden what I endure in that gym pain becomes uh, good because now I see that I'm working towards a goal. And, and I'm just here to tell you that in life, Jesus is the goal. He's the goal now. He's the goal for eternity. He's the goal for, for around us, within us, through us. Like Jesus himself is the goal. And when we can see that, all of a sudden I can endure the things that are happening at work because I'm bringing Jesus there with a purpose. I can, I can handle that opposition because I'm bringing breakthrough because Jesus is the way maker and he's breaking through everywhere we go. So all of a sudden, I can endure some of these things because that vision gives pain a purpose. So I can run this marathon rather than focusing on the sprint, and I won't lose my wonder. And even when I get down a little bit, I keep my eyes fixed on him because he, even enduring all the opposition he endured, faced the cross and successfully endured. And how did he handle? He became the example of everything we'll face. He became the example in everything that we're going to endure in life. How did he hand people that were against him? How did he handle hardship? How did he handle these things? So all of a sudden, he becomes the example of when I'm facing something in my life. What did he do? Man, people were spitting on him. I feel like such a baby because somebody put something on social media about me. Who cares? Jesus blessed them. And literally, he's up on the cross. He's like, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Bless them. I mean, this is Jesus. He becomes the example. Let's, let's move on here. I want to talk about the awe. Psalm 65, 8. Nicole mentioned the word awe. And there is a, a very synonymous meaning in awe and wonder. Uh, oftentimes, too, we, 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 lose, we lose a little bit of the meaning of word when it says fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is a reverence. It is a respect. It is, it is an enduring term, but it's also an awe, a wonder, a majestic uh, feeling, if you will. It's, it's this thing of wow. It's this thing of holy. It's this, it's this thing of just the ultimate God of, of the universe highlighting himself that we can see him in this way. The, the, uh, some of the things in Isaiah or Revelation, he opened up these visions that people, including John the Beloved, would be able to see the inside of who Jesus is, the throne, the heavens, right? And all of a sudden, we get this opportunity to glimpse and see who the Lord is. So awe is this, it's this thing, it's, it's being awestruck. It's this, it's this feeling of, of amazement. It's this feeling of majesty, it's this great thing. It's not just fear. It's not just respect. It's not just reverence. It's also this wonder. So we get to Psalm 65, 8, and it says, Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. David's capturing this, and he's writing this beautiful thing about it. And he's saying, man, from where the sun rises till it sets, we will stand in awe of your wonders. We will see you for who you really are, not for the circumstance, not for the issues, not for the trials, but we get to see you and stand in wonder and amazement. Now, when we get to focus on Jesus more than we do a problem, all of a sudden we get to press on for the marathon. Let's, let's go to one more verse. Psalms 33, 8 says this, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants, inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. I think this, I think knowing him as savior without knowing him as daddy is really scary. But I also think knowing him as daddy and friend without knowing him as savior and Lord is scary. 
It's this balance that, that he is judge. He, he is the ruler of the universe. He is king of kings and lord of lords, but he's also my dad. He's also my friend. He also says he stays closer than a brother. So now it becomes relational. It becomes this intimate invitation that I get to have communion. I get to dine with the Lord. I get to experience life with him. I get to be on adventure with him. These are invitations of, of who the Lord is to where who I get to be with him and in that. So when he's healer, wow, I get to witness healing because he's going to heal people. Wow, we get to be a part of the process of salvation because we get to invite people into that relationship and see the Lord captivate their hearts and taste and see that he's good and be transformed in his very presence. These are invitations that when we get to stand in awe of who God is and what he's also doing. Let me, let me move on here. Luke 10, 38 through 42. See, Christianity isn't just about his response to us. When we pray, he answers. When we pray, he hears us. It may not always be the answer we want, amen? Or at least the timing we want. Like, but God, come on. I said I wanted to win the lottery yesterday. I don't buy tickets, so I ain't gonna win the lottery. I win the lottery of Jesus. I get his love. It's eternal. It's never ending. You know, there's this there's these things to where it's not just about him answering my prayers. It's also about my response to him. It's, it's I said yes, and I said yes to relationship. Now, I, I love my friend Scott. He preaches this whole message that you don't just fall in love. Love is not an accident. God didn't stumble one day, make an accident, and create you. Like, he was intentional when he created us. Just as much as we're intentional when we choose to be in relationship with somebody and love them, including him. It's this intentionality of, of, listen, I don't just fall in love. Because if love was an accident and I fell in love, I could fall out of love. Every day I choose to love Nicole. I choose to love my kids. I choose to love myself. And I choose to love the Lord. It's this choice. It's this free will. It's this beautiful gift that the Lord gave us. So I get to choose love. It's not an accident. It's not some mystical thing. No, I choose what gives me an intentionality to be in awe of him and choose to see him for who he really is. So we get to Luke 10 here, and this is a beautiful picture of somebody choosing love and heart over hard work. Listen, the Lord's not looking for hard work and workers. He's looking for laid down lovers. And let me just tell you, when you have heart, heart will move you through with passion and keep you focused on the prize that lies ahead more than hard work because I'll lose focus, I'll get bored, I'll lose my attention, and because I don't have the heart. Like we're not looking, in, even in ministry, we're not looking for hard work, we're looking for heart because if you have the heart, if you have heart, it will take you further than hard work will ever take you. So here we come to this picture and the story of Mary and Martha. In the 38th verse, it starts, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, now, now, how many of you are like me, and you've just kind of like whined and complained to God? Like, I'm doing all this, and, and that person over there is getting all these blessings and getting cars given to them and all this stuff, and they're not even moral. They're not, I don't even know if they love you, Jesus. You know, all these, right? How many of you have like just complained to the Lord? Like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I have. I still do. <laughs> it's a process. I'm, it's a marathon, okay? 
it's a marathon. I'm learning. But here's the deal. But here, here's the beautiful thing is like, he's not opposed to hard work. He just wants heart first. So here's what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, are you, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. He's like, he doesn't scold Martha for working. He just corrects her and gets her on path to point out that Mary fell at his feet. Mary was worshiping. Listen, he, he's not opposed to administrative gifts and, and the people like, obviously, Martha was doing an important thing to prepare the place, to, to prepare the table, to prepare the food, right? That's an important deal. Like Jesus, even himself at one time, is handing out food to all the people who need it. That's not the issue. The issue is, was their heart before there was hard work? He's looking for laid down lovers. He's not looking for just hard workers. So, so here we have what made Mary lay down at the feet was the awe of him. She captured it. She, she, she was captivated by who Jesus was rather than just what he was doing. Like Martha got busy wanting to please him. It came down to the story of the talents. You know, the talents, a couple were giving, you know, a, a couple and more and more. And there was two that one invested, one worked and earned more, and the other had buried the talents. And this is, you can find this, this in the Bible. And here's what happened the one who invested doubled it. The one who worked and earned doubled it. Again, he's not, he's not opposed to hard work. Don't catch me the wrong way here. Like, like, I provide for my family. I have a job. He's not opposed to that, but my heart's Jesus. But then the third one, the third one was scared, and he buried him because he didn't want to lose. See, And then it gets to the end of the story. It says, you knew me. He said, but then he gets to the one who buried it. It says, you didn't know me. You, you didn't know me the way they knew me, so you'll be cast away from me forever. Now, here's the thing. The talents thing, I don't believe it was just a story for stewardship and how to steward money and anointings and talents and giftings. I think it was a story also of identity that when we know God and we're in awe of him, we can take a risk because no matter what, he's going to love us. We can lose it all and he's still going to love us. We can try to earn some, and it may not be as much as another way, but he's still going to love us. But when we're afraid of him and we don't know him and we bury it out of fear of knowing him as father, all of a sudden we don't know him and we're not in awe of him, and he casts us away. Now, now here's, here's the thing. When your heart isn't in there, it doesn't matter how hard you work, your output will never measure to somebody who has heart. Let me just say this. Where your heart is, that's also where your treasures are. It's, the productivity is based on where your heart is. And hard work isn't going to produce the output that the heart will produce. It's this principle of like, look, the outside of the cup looks great, but the inside's a mess. The tomb, it looks well polished on the outside, but the inside's a mess. Listen, God is, is looking for heart. He talks about, in one, in, in one section of the Bible, he talks about lukewarm Christians. He says, I'd rather you be cold or hot or lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Listen, he, he wants us on fire. Because, see, in those two realms, either hot or cold, he at least knows where we are. We're not at least portraying somebody who we're not. But the lukewarm, I've got one foot in here and one foot out in the world, and, 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 and I don't know which master to serve. And I'm portraying to both that I'm serving both. Let me, let me move on here. And I'm closing if somebody wants to grab the band. Luke 15, it talks about, here's, here's the good news today. There's things that we've lost. There's zeal. There's passion. There's wonder that we've lost. We've, some of us may be in here, at times we lose the awe of God. We lose the focus. We lose the mission. I read this, this good book once called Mission Drift. 
And it talked about all of these organizations that, that started off for Christ and they lost Christ from their mission, the YMCA being one, some others being, you know, universities like Yale and Harvard started off as the top theological seminaries in the world. That was their goal. And eventually they drifted. So they start up another university that does the same thing. It's this mission drift that we need to keep Jesus as our focus. And when we do that and we have the heart, the passion, the zeal, nothing will take us off track of this marathon. He is what our eyes need to be focused on. He is, he is the goal. He is the purpose of the wonder of Christmas. We get to Luke 9, 15. We get to Luke 15, and you know, here's the good news, that God is passionate about, about restoring lost things, whether it's things or people. And, and let me just give you the example. The first one is a sheep. In, in Luke 15, there's three things that were lost. First was a sheep. Next was a coin within a house. And the third one was a son, a prodigal son. And all of those represent all the things in life to us. Whether we're outside in a pasture, whether we're inside in a house, or whether we're wondering as a, as a prodigal orphan or the big brother who's a slave. God is in the business and he is passionate about restoring things and allowing us to recapture the things in which he died for. Luke 19 10 says it like this, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Here's the beautiful news that maybe we've lost our wonder. Maybe we've lost our zeal. Maybe we've lost our passion. Maybe we've lost just that intentionality of time with Jesus. I, I, I want to get vulnerable here for just a moment. I, I, I sent Nicole a text a couple weeks ago. I, was, um, I had a, a full day of just kind of nothing. I recommend those. Uh, on occasion, I, whenever I, uh, when we have new people starting at the fire department, I get to take them to Indianapolis for a full day of testing, and I drop them off at 7 a.m., I pick them back up at 3.30 p.m., and I get the whole day to figure out what I want to do, and I have a routine now. I usually go to a gym and do a drop-in workout. I grab uh, a coffee for a long period of time, and I sit for hours and just get things done, spend time with the Lord, process, make notes, and, and I just sit there. I don't get too much of that margin. I recommend way more. Do as I say, not as, not as I do. <laughs> Create margin for yourselves. But I was in there, and I was just processing, and I was just, it was in the, about the end of the thankful series. And, and I'll be honest with you, again, that was not just a series to be in the season. That for me was neat, and I was so looking forward to that, and it was so impactful for my heart. So I was sitting there, and I just, I felt like Buddy the Elf. I'm in love, and I don't care who knows. You guys know that part of the movie? It's my favorite Christmas movie. I'm in love, woo! So I did not look like that at the Ohio State game last night, I promise, okay? But anyway, here's what I sent Nicole, and, and I just, I, I captured, recaptured the awe of Jesus. And her. The last year was rough, and I've shared all that, but here's what I put. I said, I'm in love with Jesus and you again. Had lost some of that flame, but glad it's back. Now, here's, here's what I said, because the, his, his promises are yes and amen. How many agree with his word? They're yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen. It's his yes. It's his promise. It's our amen, our process. 
So there's things that I have to still show up for the battle. Like David was promised to win the battle, right? But he still had to show up for the battle. He still had to actually release the stone from the sling to take down Goliath. He had to show up for the battle with the right timing for the right battle, not somebody else's battle, and in the right apparel or weapon. He was offered this armor that didn't fit him. He was offered a sword that wasn't his sword, so he took his weapon. Listen, God's, God's invited you to this table, and, and you belong. And here's, here's what I put. The process is this. So it's his promise that, that I get to be in awe of him, that he's captivated my heart, that he has saved me, he's freed me, he's radically loved me and impacted me and encountered me. But then here's the process. I said this. I said, help hold me accountable to this breakthrough. Time with Jesus, time with you, focus and mindset, thanksgiving, contentment, ministry to Jesus, Jesus alone being enough, positivity, hope filled, dwelling on the good of what is happening, and also recalling our prophetic words and promises. Now, that's just my text to my wife because I lost some of that wonder. I lost some of that passion. I lost some of that love. And I'm just thankful that the Lord restored it, but it came through a process of me choosing him. Me not just falling in love, but me choosing love. Now, this is an invitation today to recapture the eyes of Jesus. Now, now Jesus, his name is Jealous. He says that he's a jealous God. He said he'll have no other gods before him. It's, it's the first commandment to, that he will be number one in our life. He will be number one. And then it talks about his eyes of flames of fire like they were singing about. Now, now I believe this, and, and if we go to the upper room when he poured out his spirit and held nothing back, and there was this radical thing that happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, flames sat on their head. Now, first off, I, I think a lot of times it's a mental game for us. It's, it's in our mind. Our, our minds are our biggest thing to overcome. That's why we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I believe that was prophetic, that it was on our heads. But here's the thing. I believe this, and it says he's an all-consuming fire. Now, when I think of, of romance, we rekindle the flame. Even, even Timothy, he says, he says, fan into the flame the gifts that are inside of you. Now, now, here's the deal. I believe the flame that a lot of times the Lord is talking about in his eyes of fire. When I was growing up, I thought that was eyes of judgment and fear. But here's what I believe now, that now that I'm in love, I believe they're eyes of romance. I believe his all-consuming fire is a romance that's, that's kindled in the flames of love. And I just believe this, that he has captivated my heart. He has captured me. And all of a sudden, when I catch his eyes, I see his eyes of fire, and I'm in love. Why don't you stand with me? all-consuming fire and he is jealous for you he's jealous for me he's he's jealous for time with us he's jealous for your all he's jealous for your fear of him he's jealous for time with you he's jealous that no other God will put before him he's jealous for you and it's in a loving amazing invitational way that he wants you He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. He's never turned his back on you. And even in your hardest times, even in your most traumatic moments, he was there. He actually was there. Just close your eyes right now with me. I just want you to picture Jesus with his hair of wool and his eyes with flaming fire in him. I just want you to picture him loving you and inviting you in. 
Lord, we thank you that you are the reason for the season, that you alone are the goal. You alone are the purpose. You alone are the big deal. You are everything. You are jealous for us. You're inviting us back. We thank you for inviting us back to first love again, to wonder, to awe, to just be with you, Jesus. We thank you for communion with you. We thank you that you're our best friend, that you're a companion, that you're our brother, that you're, that you're our, our, our father, our daddy, God. We thank you that no matter what relationship has happened or trauma has happened to us or who's left us or abandoned us or turned their back on us, you've always been with eyes of fire focused on us. You say you sit in the heavens and you rejoice over us. You laugh and you rejoice over us. You delight in us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. band's going to play, and I wasn't going to do this, but I don't know that we do it often enough. We're going to open up the altar, and, and I believe this. The, there was a couple situations in the Bible where one was a woman caught in adultery, and, and I think it was this. It was because she was putting other lovers ahead of who she was supposed to. Now, now listen, let me, let me expand that just a little bit. Only the woman was presented to Jesus, not the man. It takes two for adultery, just so we all know that. It takes two, but only the woman was brought forward. I think she represented the bride. And I think she was representing the bride that she was putting other lovers ahead of Jesus. And I just feel a call right now to repentance. And this isn't judgment. This isn't like you're going to have to confess in front of the church. We don't do that here. But I believe the Lord's inviting us into a moment of repentance. If we've lost that wonder, if we've lost that awe, if we've lost that fear of the Lord, and maybe we've put another lover ahead of him. Maybe we have put a God above. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's just simply busyness. Maybe it's parenting, which those are righteous things, but not when it's ahead of Jesus. Maybe he's just looking for us just to lay down at the altar at his feet like the, the woman with the, with the alabaster jar or, the, or, the, or Martha, you know, versus Mary. Mary laying it all down at the feet. So I'm just going to open this up, and the band's going to lead and worship, and then uh, I'll just be honest with you. I'll close here in just a couple minutes, and people who need to leave can leave, but we're just going to open up the altar. So, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We just say sorry if we've put anything ahead of you. Sorry if we allow busyness to even stand in the way of the Lord. Sorry if we've formed opinions and, and against religion or against things that have affected our relationship open if you just want to come and just, just put yourself before the Lord and lay at his feet or kneel and stand and say, God, we say yes. We give yourself. We repent for putting any gods or idols or, or things ahead of you before you, Jesus. We capture 